I am Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This week it's episode 254 and we're talking about women on the road. Yeah, we're excited to introduce Leila Jirai, the author of our newest book, Women on the Road, The Essential Guide for Baby Boomer Travel, which comes out November 1st. Now I'd like to say that this is a really, really excellent book and not just because I edited it. It's really useful and really in-depth, so you should definitely listen to this podcast, even if you're not, well, a woman or over 50, it's still really good. Yeah, there's heaps of great advice from Layla's time as a, a journalist and then working in a job that took her all over the world, as well as backpacking all over the world as well. So lots of great stuff. Well, we recorded this interview in a busy little spot in Porto, Portugal, where we met with Layla after having worked with her for over a year. Uh, it was a real, real pleasure to meet her. It was so great, actually. We... Uh, we kind of saw each other across a crowded room and ran... No, we didn't. But we did hug, and it was nice. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoy getting to know her as much as we did. By the time you hear this, it's likely that Layla's book will have been released. It goes out on November 1st, 2012. So we've already got amazing feedback from the industry people we've sent it to, and I'd recommend you go take a look. Yeah, head over to our new bookstore at guides.indietravelpodcast.com and we'll point you in the right direction. But first, here's Layla talking about why she thinks women should travel solo. One of the things I feel strongly about is, is that women should not feel that they've missed the boat if they didn't do this when they were younger. Just because they went straight from school to marriage to career or some combination thereof does not mean that now later in life they can't travel. Not at all. So sometimes that limitation is in their minds. And, and I really feel that that limitation has to be removed. It really is not a question of age. That's one thing that I do feel strongly about. I also feel that our minds are often our most limiting factors in terms of the choices we make in travel. Um, I, I have friends who listen to me talking about going to Africa and say, ooh, I could never do that. Well, why not? What is stopping you from doing that? What is stopping you from getting on a plane, finding out about local buses, reading a book, going to the hostel or a hotel, talking to people, finding out where they just came from, if it's interesting, heading in that direction? It's really a question of baby steps. You take a little step in that direction, then you need somebody who opens another door for you. If you, if you read the book, you'll see that there are plenty of ideas as to how you can build your trip if you're not used to doing this kind of free travel thing. You know, if you're more used to being on a tour, if you're more used to taking direction while you travel, I think the book will help open up some of those horizons. But independence is a frame of mind issue. It's a question of whether you can. And as women, sometimes we have certain limiting thoughts that have been, you know, put upon us by whatever, individuals, society, wherever it comes from. But we often question our ability to cope with the unknown, our ability to cope, cope with things that we're not accustomed to. And that's hogwash. That's got to go out the window. It's not true at all. We can cope, possibly better than any other gender. <laughs> with things that are thrown at us and that we're not used to. And I really encourage women to get out there and see the world if that's what they want to do. It's not for everybody, but if you harbor that little dream of seeing the world and you haven't given into it simply because you thought that you couldn't, then I think it's time to shake that thinking free. Can you tell us, uh, first of all, a little bit about yourself and uh, where you're at right now? During the day, I work at an international development agency, but uh, in the evenings and on weekends, I do what I really love to do, which is write about travel. 
And uh, a few years ago, about five or six years ago, I started Women on the Road, which is a website for women who travel solo. Because at the time, there were very few websites that dealt with uh, issues pertaining to women who travel on their own. So I decided to start one. And of course, nowadays, there are plenty of them around. And so I'm branching out and now moving into developing a blog that goes with the website so that I can express a little bit more of what I think of travel issues and issues around the world. I also feel that there's a, there's space in what I write for destination travel, which I haven't really been able to do on the website. About two years from now, I plan to retire, and then I'll be moving into travel writing full-time. I should say that I'm a former journalist. I have spent most of my life as a journalist, so that does help in being a travel writer. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, tell us a little bit about your, your travel style. What gets you excited and what, uh, what do you try and communicate with your audience about that? That's a great question because there's very little that doesn't get me excited in travel. The reason I'm a solo traveler, or I have been a solo traveler on many occasions, is because I wanted to go places that nobody would ever dream of going. Um, so I couldn't find a travel partner, so I often just took off on my own. I also had a feeling that um, I needed to prove to myself that I could go to the places I wanted to go to on my own and uh, not only go there but survive there so you know find a little bit of part-time work and actually pay for my travels. So the solo travel is something that was part by choice and part by circumstance. In terms of the style of travel I'm up for anything. I backpack, I stay in hostels, and if you want to treat me to a week in a luxury spa, I'll take that too, thank you very much. And I pretty much like everything. I think possibly what I like the least in terms of travel is organized travel with a group because I do need my downtime, I need to be on my own sometimes, and I don't particularly like being with the same people all the time. And I find that when I travel in a group, it almost cuts me out from the world around me and I don't get a chance to interact with the people that I might meet in the different countries. And to me that's at least 50% of the traveling is meeting the people. The other 50% is seeing the sites, but I actually want to interact with the cultures that I'm in. Hmm. And so all of this has inspired you to write a book called Woman on the Road. Um, in the book you give some tips about how people might be able to, uh, to actually interact and, and get beyond the tour. Can you give us a few examples of times that you've met people while uh, you're out traveling? Well, I, I find meeting people actually quite easy on the road. I think the hard thing when I'm traveling solo is staying solo. I don't think I ever go anywhere and stay on my own for more than a few minutes. If I'm staying in a hostel, I'll go into the lobby and within five minutes I'll have lifelong friends that I, I can go out for dinner with and hang out with if I don't feel like being by myself. And I talk to people. I, I go out and I talk to people at bus stops. I talk to people in markets. I have no qualms about not knowing a language. I'll just use my arms, wave them wildly and point at things. And normally I can get some kind of a conversation going, especially with other women. There's a synergy there that, uh, that makes it easier to speak woman to woman and that opens doors that otherwise might not be open. Um, if I'm really desperate, I might go into a restaurant and put a guidebook strategically opened at a certain page so that, you know, someone might look over and say, oh, you know, are you going to? Or I might actually lean over with my guidebook to some poor unsuspecting person sitting next to me and engage a conversation. I think the hardest part is to 
actually be willing to take that first step and to initiate. And although I have been a journalist most of my life and I appear to be extraordinarily outgoing, I'm actually quite shy and taking that first step is excruciatingly difficult for me, which is why I practice it often. And this is why I get to meet people, because I do take that first step, because I force myself to. Hmm. Let's circle back around to the, uh, the book that you've just written, Woman on the Road. Um, who is that for, and, and what questions are you trying to answer? Well, the, Women on the Road is, is basically for women who would like to travel on their own, but who for some reason can't, won't, haven't, didn't. Um, women of a certain age, we'll call them baby boomers, women 45, 50 and above, who um, went to school maybe, got married right away, had children, might have gone on vacations with their husband and family, but they've never really traveled on their own. And now they're into their sort of second lifetimes, and for some reason they may have opportunities to travel alone. They may be widowed, they may have a relationship that broke up, or they may be married and their husband or partner simply doesn't want to travel and they're on their own and their friends are busy doing something else. So what do these women do? They've never traveled on their own, but they think this is something for 20-year-olds and, oh no, I couldn't possibly do that. What I'm trying to do is debunk that and say, that is not true. Of course you can do that. And what Women on the Road tries to do is take them by the hand and show them how they can travel on their own, even if they've never so much as applied for a passport before. So some people will be going, but Layla, you just told me you're, you're a journalist, you've been traveling forever, but I, I haven't done that. That's right, you haven't done that, and that's why my book is there, is to help people that haven't done that before. Um, I don't need that book. I can travel on my own, I know what to do, but as I travel, I also find that there are a lot of people out there who are, you know, traveling around for the first time, they're not really quite sure where they should go, how they should do it, and I notice on my website that I get a lot of questions from women who say, look, you know, I'd like to do this, but uh, I think I'm, I'm too old. So I have to write back and say, no, you're not too old. Or they write to me and they say, well, you know, what do I need to take with me? Or what is the first step? How do I choose a destination? Or am I going to be safe? Or, you know, are people going to think I'm crazy because I'm 60 years old and traveling on my own? And these are the things, these are the questions that I try to answer because, no, you're not going to be crazy. Look at Dervla Murphy, well into her 80s, traveling by herself around the world. There are plenty of older women traveling around alone. I have plenty of friends who are in their 50s and 60s who travel around by themselves, and some of them are backpacking, and they're staying in hostels, just like any self-respecting 25-year-old. So it's more a question of what you think of yourself. You know, if you think that you're too old to do something, then you are too old to do something. If you kind of forget and age is not an issue, then you're absolutely fine and you can just move forward and do it. It's a little bit harder to change the way you do things when you're a bit older. There are certain patterns that get established in our lives and change is not something that is as natural. But if you know that you can do it and you know that it's a question of changing your mind your mindset then all you need is a little bit of a roadmap 
And that's what I've tried to do with women, with women on the Road. I've tried to give women a bit of a roadmap and some options. If you want to travel on your own, either solo or at least independently, then this is what you would do to do it. It doesn't mean you have to travel that way, but this is definitely an option. And please do not discard solo travel or independent travel just because you have nobody to travel with. Don't think that you cannot travel because you're on your own. That's a very inspirational uh, message that you've got there, but uh, you also back it up with practical advice and how-tos to, to help people move from that stage of I want to to I can. So what's the, the number one thing that people can do to get them from this, this inspired and, and dreaming phase into actually going ahead and, and stepping out the door? the first thing to do would be to make a choice, make a decision. Decide where you want to go. If you have that goal in mind and you already have a place that you're aiming for, then your entire paradigm shifts into a, you know, can I do this to how do I do this? And I think a big part of the challenge is getting women to think about how they're going to handle the travel as opposed to whether they can travel at all. So choose a destination, start doing the research, start finding out about hotels, about prices, go online if you're not very comfortable online, practice, this is a good chance to get your you know, teenage kid or nephew in on the job and get somebody to help you, um, open up a Facebook account, go on the forums, read what people are saying. This is all preparatory work, you know, get into the feeling of the destination, watch some movies, read some books, start imagining that you're actually in the place. Start doing the things that will take you each time one step closer to your destination. And once you're moving towards the solution, you're moving away from the problem, so you're no longer in that place where you're wondering whether you can handle this, you're now grappling with the practicalities of, well, how do I go about doing this? And I think that's a major mind shift, that once you cross that bridge, there's almost no turning back. One thing I really like about the book is how you balance some of the more, uh, let's say, adventurous escapades uh, from your life as a journalist, along with the, uh, the more city break and short break travel that you've been doing um, in recent years. And I think there's a nice balance there between long-term travel and short-term travel. Do you want to speak a little bit about the, the differences and advantages and disadvantages there? There are many different kinds of travel, and I think when you're in your working life, you have certain limitations, like holiday times. If you've got a career, you've got two weeks holiday, three weeks holiday if you live in North America, and that's going to make a big difference as to what kind of travel you undertake. You're probably not going to do a cross-African expedition in three weeks. You can, but I wouldn't recommend it. So while you're working, you do have those physical limitations that tend to disappear when you're retired or when you're a bit older, when you're on your own. You may have more time. That's already a, a major factor. So if you have more time, you can consider going on a longer-term trip. Um, a long-term trip for me is something that, uh, that can last weeks or months, and they, often that kind of trip isn't something that you plan for. Uh, when I was 43, I think, I decided that I was going to reshape my life and uh, I threw everything out the window. I decided to quit my job, quit my relationship, sell my car, pack up my apartment and uh, go travel in Africa for six, six months 
and instead of six months, I was actually gone for three years. So unusual things happen. This was not planned for. Now I have, uh, I'm still working and uh, my vacation time is limited. I don't have the freedom I had at the time. And uh, I have more responsibilities than I did then. I have a house that I'm renovating and uh, I have a partner, I have dogs. I have the kinds of things that, that tie you down a little bit when it comes to traveling. So my travel is shorter. I just spent uh, two and a half weeks in Albania. That's certainly off the beaten path, but uh, it is, you know, it's shorter, it's more, circumspect and uh, I don't shy away from just spending a long weekend visiting a city I don't know. To me it's all exploration. It doesn't really matter whether it's for a year, three years or maybe a weekend. The idea is to go to a place that I don't know, get to know it, preferably get to know its people by you know trying to stay with people who are local, certainly getting to know the local foods. I'm a great foodie. Um, finding out about the local customs, the history, the culture. And you can do that almost on your doorstep. You don't have to go very far away or travel for a very long amount of time. So again, it, it's more a question of how you approach travel in your head. It's not so much how you approach it physically, whether you're going away for three days or three years. It's still the same thing. It's a bit of preparation, and then it's trying to slip into the skin of the place that you're going to visit and wearing that skin for a few days, a few weeks, a few months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think being, being open, curious, and maybe a little bit adventurous kind of sums, sums up the perfect independent traveler. I think it does, except for the adventurous bit. I'm actually not adventurous at all. I tend to be relatively staid and conservative in my choices, but adventure comes to me. I don't look for it. You know, I don't ask to... Uh, to be stranded in strange parts of the world or to get lost in rainforests or to be shot at. These are not things that I ever go looking for. But for some strange reason, perhaps because I'm extremely lucky, they actually come to me. So I end up leading adventurous, an adventurous life or having adventures happen to me while I'm traveling, which I really didn't bargain for. Maybe I was heading for the hotel and I got a little bit sidetracked. So th these are the kinds of things that can happen to you while you're traveling, especially if you go to places that a lot of tourists don't go to. And when I was uh, working as a journalist, of course, these are exactly the kinds of places that I would go to because I, I would end up near war zones, never in a war zone because it's far too chicken, but I would end up near war zones. It still didn't stop me from getting shot at. Or I would end up in, um, in places that, that were surrounded by nature and nothing else. I, I was literally lost in the Amazon rainforest once, literally lost. And uh, thank God that uh, some uh, local indigenous people were actually tracking me <laughs> and found me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd probably still be decomposing under a tree somewhere in, in Brazil right now. But uh, these things happen. You know, I didn't ask. I, there I was, happily walking. And then, uh, you know, these things happen. You know, sometimes women write to me and, and they ask me whether they'll be safe in a certain destination. And they don't want to go somewhere because it's unsafe. Well, you know, every place is unsafe. You could get hit by a car when you walk out of your front door. That could happen to you at home. It could happen to you in London. It could happen to you in Rio. It can happen to you anywhere in the world. The dangers are often the same. We shouldn't overestimate the dangers that we're going to run into when we travel. I suggest that women simply use common sense, the same common sense they would use at home. 
You look before you cross the street. You're careful when you meet strangers. You don't leave your handbag lying around. It's all the same basic stuff. 95% of safety when you travel is the same as safety when you're at home. There is a little added factor that uh, in places that you don't know very well, you may run into situations that are a little more complicated and that you might not know how to deal with. They're not necessarily unsafe situations, but they may be uncomfortable. And my book does address a lot of those situations, and it tells you that uh, you, know, you don't try and keep away from those situations. You can often identify them ahead of time. If you do run into difficult situations, try to find somebody who can help you. It's not rare. I, I had a situation not long ago, just a couple of weeks ago, literally, on the, uh, on the street in uh, Tirana, a crazy man started running up to me and uh, I was with someone and screaming, foreigners, foreigners, and uh, jumped on us and started aggressing us. And the first thing I did was head to a little group of men who were playing chess mm -hmm. on the street. They were obviously locals, they were older men, and they knew their neighborhood. So I went right up to them and got behind them. And they immediately got up and said, what's going on? What's the matter? And then a little crowd gathered and next thing you know, the situation was diffused. So it's head towards somebody who knows the area, who knows the location, and who seems to belong there. They will usually be protecting their own home, their own area, and they will usually stand in the way of, of uh, bad things happening. By and large, I have found that, that travel, international travel, is as safe as travel on your home turf. I don't see much difference in, uh, unless you travel to some place that's uh, got a conflict or some place where you have a natural disaster, these things might be a little more dangerous, but they would be dangerous anywhere. You have those things in your home country as well. We should perhaps uh, finish on a, on a more sedate <laughs> note. So what are the kind of places that you'd recommend as being excellent for someone who just has wanderlust but doesn't actually care where they go? Where's somewhere that someone can, can dip into for a short time for, uh, for something interesting? Again, it's a question of how much time you have and how much experience you have traveling. I think for someone who's starting out traveling, any place in Europe is great, simply because Europe is small, comparatively speaking, of course. And uh, if you go to Europe, you can travel to many different places and cultures in a very short amount of time and get to see a lot more than you would if you were traveling in places that are far larger. So I would definitely recommend Europe as a, as a starting point for somebody who doesn't have that much experience um, in travel. The other place that uh, I might recommend for people who are just beginning to feel a bit adventurous is Southeast Asia, because a large part of Southeast Asia is relatively safe. It's not off the beaten path. There's a well-trodden path by travelers, so the roadmap has already been developed, and it's just a question of following where everybody else has gone. And then when you start feeling a little more adventurous, take a left turn. Thanks to Layla for speaking with us in Porto. She's a real GMA. She's so awesome. And of course, we'd love to see a whole lot of sales for her book, which is available from guides.indietravelpodcast.com. So if this would be good for you, for a friend, for a family member, for some woman down the road that you know, head over to guides.indietravelpodcast.com. I wouldn't really recommend you buy it for random people on the street, though. No, but you know, you might have a lovely neighbour down the road. Not exactly random, but yeah. 
something yeah. like that. Anyway, anyway. Next week we'll be back and speaking about Slovenia and Croatia and maybe touching a little bit on the start of San Marino in Italy as well. Yeah, we've had a great trip so far and we're looking forward to more of it. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.